How many came expecting to hear from God tonight? Say amen. amen. All right, let's stand and let's pray. Would you stand with me tonight? Father, in Jesus' name, would you have a word in season for every heart? Oh, God, don't disappoint your people and may your people not disappoint you. Uh, we anticipate your speaking voice and our response and we give you praise in advance in Christ's name, amen. Remain standing, turn in your Bible to Psalm chapter 51, Psalm chapter 51. David was a man after God's own heart, but he was not perfect. David made some very poor choices. He committed some horrible sins. He lost fellowship with God. He lost perspective. And Psalm 51 is a prayer, is a prayer of confession, a prayer of repentance, and a cry for restoration. Now let's just break into this well-known psalm in verse 7 right here, Psalm 51 and verse 7. Notice the heart cry of a failed saint. Notice the heart cry of this man of God. Verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. He felt dirty. He asked to be purged. He asked to be made clean. Notice in verse 8, make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. He said, make me to hear joy and rejoice. And it had been a long time since David smiled and meant it. I'm sure he had the obligatory smile as he greeted his staff and his people, but uh, it's been a long time since he smiled and really felt it and meant it. He said, make me to hear joy and rejoicing. Look in verse 9, hide thy face from my sins, blot out all my iniquities. And verse 10, out loud together, please. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Verse 10, out loud again, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. The word renew means to rebuild or to repair. And David was praying that God would rebuild a proper, firm, steadfast, pure spirit within him. Renew a right spirit within me. The word spirit in the Bible always means wind or breath. The word spirit always means wind or breath. So the Holy Spirit is nothing other than the very breath of God. On planet Earth, wind is unseen, it's invisible, it's unpredictable, but it is very powerful. And the spirit of man is that unseen, invisible, but it's the real person. And David said, Lord, renew a right spirit within me. Philemon says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Peter talked about a meek and quiet spirit. Paul said, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul prayed their entire, entire spirit would be sanctified. He, the spirit of man, what is it? It's the immaterial part of man. It's unseen, unknown, invisible, but it's the real person. And sometimes we need to pray that prayer, renew a right spirit within me. You can be seated this evening. Thank you very much. Now, everybody carries their own personal atmosphere with them wherever they go. We all, we all have a spirit about us. We all have a certain uh, persona about us, a certain vibration that we tend to give off. And I want to say this. You can have a spirit of joy or a spirit of sadness. You can have a spirit of peace or a spirit of anger. You can have a spirit of humility or a spirit of pride. You can have a spirit of determination, or a spirit of defeat. You can have a spirit of hope, 
or a spirit of despair. You can have a spirit of anticipation or a spirit of complacency. And David had to pray this prayer right here, renew a right spirit within me. How many know that every church has their own unique personality? And the atmosphere in a local church is the consequence of the spirits that the people attending bring with them. It's kind of like when we come in the door, we bring our little cup, we pour it in the collective pot, and whatever spirit is in the church is the result of the spirit that we have brought with us. And sometimes we need to pray this prayer, renew a right spirit within me. How many know it's possible to have a cynical spirit? If you're over 50, it's hard not to, you got to fight against a cynical spirit. You can have a critical spirit. You, you can have a negative spirit. You can have an unforgiving spirit. You can have a sensual spirit. You can have an unbelieving spirit. You can have an arrogant spirit. You can have an agitated spirit. You can have a depressed spirit. And I want to tell you, you cannot control. You cannot control your emotions all the time, but you can control your thoughts. And if you will think right long enough, your emotions will catch up with you somewhere down the road. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And your life will always move in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. Indulging wrong thoughts can lead to what the Bible calls strongholds. And a stronghold are are just thought patterns. A mental satanic beachhead built up in the mind, strongholds, well-worn pathways in the mind that can bring us into mental bondage. And there's people sitting here tonight are dealing with strongholds. And the Bible tells us that we have powerful weapons that are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, uh, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You know, you know the, battle for, the battle against the Christian is a battle for the mind. If you think wrong, you are wrong. If you believe wrong, you live wrong. And that's why we have to go, to go to war with these mighty weapons, mighty through God, that are capable to dislodge, pull down uh, strongholds and imaginations and bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You know, as our culture unravels, as our culture unravels, as our culture unravels, y'all, y'all fix it back there if you can, just fix it, fix it up. I want to go to one church where the technology works before I die. Man, just, just one time would be good, but... Um, Uh, Back to the message here. Um, I believe that as our culture continues to unravel, and there's no end in sight, one of the main missions of the church of God will be offering people hope and release from despair. My Bible says that the whole creation is groaning in travail, waiting for the redemption of the body. Jesus groaned in his spirit. The Holy Spirit makes groanings, intercessions with groanings that can't even be uttered. And a lot of God's people nowadays, there's a groaning going on at the loss of freedom, at the loss of what we've had, at the, at the prospect of the future. And I'm telling you, one of the main missions of the church of God will be offering people hope and release from despair in a declining culture. Now, David himself had to pray this prayer, renew a right spirit within me. And I want to highlight uh, three prevalent attitudes that David had. I want want to highlight three prevalent attitudes that David had that people are prone to have. And when we have these uh, dominating stronghold thought patterns and attitudes, we need to pray that prayer, renew a right spirit within me. 
Now notice number one, the first thing David had to deal with was an adulterous spirit. He needed to pray that prayer. Renew a right spirit within me because David had an adulterous spirit. He had yielded to the sin of adultery. Uh, David was, his heart was divided. His heart was polluted. His, His heart was guilty. So he asked God to cleanse him from sin and rebuild a proper attitude in his heart and mind. He asked to be cleansed from a sensual spirit. You know one of the first things that happens when a a, a culture abandons God? You know one of the first things that happens is that God gives them over to a spirit of adultery? Romans chapter 1 says that when they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God, neither were they thankful They became vain, empty, futile in their imaginations. Their foolish hearts were darkened. They professed themselves to be wise. They became utter fools. Wherefore, God gave them up to what? Uncleanness to dishonor their bodies among themselves. A spirit of adultery. Jeremiah chapter 5. They were as fed horses. Uh, Everyone neighed after his neighbor's wife. Flirting, chatting. Touching, lusting. I have a, have a word for everybody here over 30. I have a, I have a word for you. Uh, you've got no business uh, connecting with your old high school flings on Facebook. And if you would only put up a recent non-photoshopped image of yourself, that would eliminate all possible temptation uh, anywhere. <laughs> Just don't doctor it up, man. Just put it right on there. What it is, what it is. The Old Testament says thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus said that he that looks on a woman to lust has already committed adultery in his heart. Whoever dreamed that adultery would become a multi-billion dollar industry? Who in their wildest imagination could have ever conceived that adultery would become a corporate enterprise? They have these websites to help people hook up for uh, one night stands. One of them has a slogan, life is short, have an affair. Life is short, have an affair. Wikipedia says they have 60 million users. 60 million. I was up in near Ocala and they told me about the, what was going on in the villages. I mean, who would ever have conceived <laughs> of the stuff that is happening in our country? There's a spirit of adultery upon our nation. Adultery has been glamorized in the media. Adultery has been tolerated in the White House. Adultery has been normalized in society, condoned in countless churches, but is still condemned by God. And Hebrews says that the marriage bed, the marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but adulterers and whoremongers, God will judge. Jesus said he was living in an adulterous generation. Nothing has changed. And I want to say a few things here that uh, sexual desire is a God-given thing. And and a lot of people in the church, I get the idea, have the notion that when you become a Christian, you automatically are transformed from a human being into a Vulcan like Spock on the old Star Trek, a passionless, emotionless, Pale ale, just, 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 just no design, no initiative, just, just a mechanic, a machine, and a robot, 
And can I say something to you? That becoming a Christian doesn't change the fact that you're still a human being created in the image of God. And we need to get over some of this uh, mama's boy, uh, uh, pale-faced, uh, uh, homegrown uh, fundamentalism. And brother, we need some people in the church that have a heart for God that are fully human. And I want to say something to you. That becoming a Christian doesn't make you into a, a, a robot. You still have desires. Can I just say something to you? Uh, it doesn't eliminate your appetites, but being filled with the Spirit of God can bring proper balance. And a spirit of adultery is, uh, is something that we need to recover from. David was the most spiritual man in the Bible. Samson was the strongest man in the Bible. Solomon was the wisest man in the Bible. And all three committed adultery. But here David confessed his sin. He acknowledged his transgression. He appealed for mercy. He found forgiveness from God, and he had to pray that prayer. Renew a right spirit within me. Can I say something to you? God can break the bondage of lust, and the journey to heaven is not a guilt trip. I said the journey to heaven is not a guilt trip that the blood of Jesus is stronger than anything you've ever done or thought or said. And brother, I'm telling you, when you get right with God, the blood of Jesus washes you as clean. You're just as right with God as the Son of God. God's people are still human. They get tempted like everybody else. And in the thought life, the question is tonight, in the thought life, are you regularly defeated and rarely victorious? Are you regularly defeated and rarely victorious? Or in your thought life, are you regularly defeated, regularly victorious and rarely defeated? My friend David had a spirit of adultery, so he had to pray that God would renew a right spirit within him. Notice number two. David had a second problem. He had a spirit of anger. Oh, he had a spirit of anger. And uh, David was outraged when Nathan the prophet came and told him that story about this wealthy man who confiscated this poor peasant's pet lamb, his prized possession. And this wealthy man came and took this man's pet lamb. And when David heard that, he flew into a fit of, fit of rage. And he said, why, the man that had done this thing shall surely die. You know, Nathan took his long, bony, prophetic finger and shoved it up in the face of David and said, David, thou art the man. Can I say something to you this evening? That before David came clean, he was eaten up with guilt. He was responsible for the murder of Uriah and his conscience was eating him alive. He had all this pent up hostility. He had explosive anger. He had exaggerated responses. You know, anger is often a manifestation of unresolved guilt. And anger is most often a byproduct of lust. It's a devilish duo. When you have one, you typically have the other. My wife and I were in New Jersey, right across the river from uh, the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. I was in uh, Philadelphia in the airport, and there was a policeman, and I went up and I said, how many, how many murders did you have last year in the city of brotherly love? He said, over 300. You know, Obama wanted to change the name of Denali. Maybe I ought to change the name of Philadelphia and try to come up with something that's more accurate, you know. But 300 murders in that city alone. You do realize that we're living in a time and we're living in an age when people are full of rage and anger. In Philadelphia, there was a man sitting at the stoplight when all of a sudden a fellow pulled up beside of him on the inside shoulder of the road. 
the light changed, and the man who had pulled up beside of him sped ahead, got stopped at the second stoplight. The man who had been bypassed at the previous light pulled up on the inside shoulder of the road right beside of him, rolled down his window, pulled out a pistol, and shot the guy that had bypassed him at the last light and killed him. We're living in the age of rage. I said, we're living in the age of rage. Remember Sandy Hook Elementary? When some lunatic killed the female principal and 20 students in that elementary school? The husband of the principal had moved to New York State and just happened to move in beside of a Baptist preacher buddy of mine. And he was trying to minister to him to help him recover from this awful tragedy. We're living in the age of rage. I mean, this stuff has become common. Now, we've had to come up with a new vocabulary uh, to describe the age of rage. So what we've got now is racial rage, political rage, road rage. Uh, what we have now is uh, computer rage. Now, you know, anger is nothing new. I mean, it's as old as sin. Uh, anger, it was anger that caused Cain to kill his brother Abel. Uh, it was anger that cost Moses the promised land when he struck the rock in anger. Sarah got angry with Hagar because Hagar got pregnant and she couldn't and she's the one that gave Hagar to her husband in the first place. You ever notice that none of the commentators ever tackle these hard, hard, difficult things because they don't know what to make of it either? You ever notice this? And, and Joseph's brothers were jealous and angry. I want to tell you that anger is an outward sign of a deeper problem. Anger's an outward sign of a deeper problem. Your internal world will show up in your external world somewhere along the line. And the condition of the soul uh, has physical implications. What's going on in your heart, in your heart will surface in your life and in your home. We're living in the age of rage. We're, we're a nation whose emotions are on edge. We're strung out, stressed out, and stretched out but the Bible says, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that controlleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. David had a problem with a spirit of anger, and he had to pray that prayer, renew a right spirit within me. But David had a third problem. David had a problem with a spirit of anxiety, a spirit of anxiety. I was preaching in a large church one Sunday morning, and I went to sit down after the sermon on the front row and three people, unprovoked and uninvited, got out of their seats and came and sat out right beside of me. And all three of them told me they were struggling with a spirit of anxiety. And after listening to their stories, I can assure you there were substantial reasons why they were struggling with a spirit of anxiety. I have a pastor buddy up in the panhandle of Florida he said that he, he live streams all his sermons. He said he gets about 20, 40 hits a week. But he said if he ever puts the word depressed or depression in the sermon description or title, the hits will go from 20 to three to 400. Why? Because there's a tremendous spirit of anxiety laying upon the upcoming generation and upon many in the older generation. A spirit of anxiety. Now look in chapter 51 of Psalms in verse 2. Look, look at what David said here. He said, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from 
my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Man, he was guilt conscience. I know a lot of God's people are more guilt conscience than they are grace conscience. Running around like a bunch of Roman Catholics and uh, have never learned the power of the blood. Somewhere along the line, you better learn the power of the blood, man. That is greater than all your transgressions. Look in verse 8. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. He's praying that God would renew a right spirit within him. Because David is a man suffering from anxiety and guilt. And the Psalms, could they be more explicit in in describing uh, his emotional state? Uh, There were seasons when David was powerfully discouraged. And in Psalm chapter 51, we learn that guilt will sting the conscience. Guilt will sicken the body. Uh, Guilt will soil the soul. Guilt can saturate the mind, and guilt can sour the spirit. Somebody said we're living in the antidepressant age, the antidepressant age. Now, somebody wrote a book called Farmageddon. Not not Armageddon, Pharma, like CVS, Walgreens, Pharmageddon. Why? Because of the tremendous spirit of anxiety that's on so many people. Uh, somebody said, worry is emotional atheism, acting like God doesn't exist. Ouch. Worry is emotional atheism, acting like God doesn't exist. Disappointments are events. Disappointments are events, but discouragement is an attitude. We have no, no control over the events of life often, but we can do something about our attitude. And I want to tell you, perennial worry It's like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it won't get you very far. You know what Oswald Chambers said? He said, worry is an indication we think God cannot look after us. Ouch. An indication we think God cannot look after us. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Let me say that again. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a disciplined, sound mind. George Mueller said, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith, but the beginning of faith is the end of anxiety. You know, people are afraid because of what might happen. People are afraid because of what might happen, but people get depressed because of what has happened. People are afraid because of what might happen, but they get depressed because of what has happened. You know why we get depressed? Because of loss. Loss. A lost loved one a lost spouse, lost health, lost family member, a lost relationship, a lost resource, a lost reputation, lost, lost a vitality. You know, cancer came visiting in our house uh, three times so far, uh, an unwelcome guest. How many, how many know that it's scary when uh, a cancer diagnosis comes along? It's just flat out it's scary. Well, uh, when cancer came knocking, <clears throat> I went looking for solutions. Cancer, uh, cancer Centers of America, uh, Johns Hopkins, uh, NIH, the National Institutes of Health. I went up to the National Institutes of Health, had an end to get a very peculiar MRI. And uh, uh, the lady took me in and began to ask me some interview questions. And she said, now, Mr. Vaughn, she says... Um, 
Or what was your gender at birth? <laughs> I was sure I misunderstood. I said, uh, pardon, pardon me, what, what did you say? <laughs> she said, Mr. Vaughn, what was your gender at birth? And I thought, man, if she has to ask a question like that, that's a bad sign right there, you know, but... Um, I said, don't ask me any more stupid government questions. Well, well I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Vaughn, but I have to ask you, what was your gender at birth? Don't ask me any more stupid government questions. So I got out of there as quick as I could. Uh, who, who knows what could happen to a fella in a joint like that, amen? So I got out of that place, man. Whew, brother, whew. By the way, if you don't like the way you were born, try getting born again. That'll help you out right there. <laughs> but anyway, so we go over to Hopkins. Now, we check into Hopkins. Now, when you check into the hospital, how many know they give you a hospital gown? How many know that there's a desperate shortage of fabric for hospital gowns? <laughs> Not only are they short, there's no back in it. So here I'm with this get up on I'm saying, I'm trying to practice modesty, which is impossible. And I said to the lady, I said, can you give me a second gown? So I, I put one gown on the front, then I put a, another gown on the back, buddy. I'm, I'm trying to practice, uh, look like Superman with a cape on, you know, trying to practice a little modesty. And, and by the way, that's why they call it, I see you. Humiliating, amen? <laughs> Just flat out humiliating. And you know something? You know something? When, when you get to a place where you've lost uh, things and resources and, and, and relationships and health, I'm telling you, when you lose stuff, if you don't watch it, you can go into depression. And let me say this. All God's giants have their low points. All God's giants have their low points. Elijah. Remember him? Calling down fire out of heaven, slaying 800 false prophets. I mean, this guy, he prayed and it didn't rain. He prayed and it did rain. And, you know, this guy was amazing. And he's been through all of this, and yet he's running for his life, and he's holed up in a cave somewhere. And, and here he is, exhausted, uh, totally, totally depleted, and he asked God to take his life. Elijah, that's pretty low, isn't it? Well, what, about, what about John Baptist, you know? Jesus said he was the greatest born among women. That's a pretty good compliment coming from the Son of God, greatest born among women, filled with the whole Holy Ghost from the womb. What about that? Man, I like to be filled with the Holy Ghost post-conversion, but here this guy, he was full of the Holy Ghost before he ever got born. I mean, wow, it's amazing. And here he is, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Here he is, you know, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And here he is, John Baptist, a man of steel. But at the end of the day, his political uh, aspirations had been dashed. And uh, they, uh, they all thought Jesus was going to set up the kingdom and restore Israel and kick out the pagan Romans, but it didn't happen. And John Baptist is up in, in prison. Jesus does not come to see him. Jesus did not send him a get-out-of-jail-free card. Jesus didn't send him a Dairy Queen ice cream cake with a file in it so he could saw his way through the bars in the prison, uh, in the prison window. 
There was silence from the Son of God and John Baptist. He, 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 he lost what he thought was going to happen and he became so depressed. He said to his followers, go and ask Jesus, are you the one or should we be looking for another? Are you Messiah? He was questioning his whole life his whole ministry, he was questioning whether Jesus was the son of God. That's pretty low. And Jesus sent word back to John, tell old John, deaf or hearing, lame or walking, blind or seeing, and the poor are having the gospel preached unto them, and blessed is he who is not offended in me. And I want to tell you something. If you live long enough, there's going to some things happen in your life that's so inexplicable, so perplexing, so baffling, so overwhelming. If you don't watch it, brother, you might have an eclipse of faith because even John the Baptist had an eclipse of faith. What about the apostle Paul? You say, well, he never got like that. Really? (laughs) You ever read in Corinthians where he said he despaired of life? Death looked preferable. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about right here. That uh, it gets so hard and it's just such a, such a fight and such a turmoil and you seem to come up on the short end of the stick emotionally so often. And, and that's what happened to Paul. He despaired of life. You know, you would think, well, Paul would do a whole lot better than that. Paul was a human being. You're a human being. I have a friend, he was 83 years old. He was an evangelist. He said, Harold, for the first time in my life, I, I'm depressed. I said, wait a minute, you mean to tell me you've lived down here for 83 years and this is the first time you've ever gotten depressed? He said, yep, first time I've ever been depressed. I said, man alive, you ought to be cutting some spiritual cartwheels and praising God if you bypass that culprit for 83 years. That's like a record, you know. Most people in their life will go through major seasons of depressive, uh, a depressive episode. It's just part of a life existence on planet Earth. Can I just say that to you tonight? All God's giants have their low points. And don't beat yourself up. It's not all the time because of sin. Somebody say amen on that right there. Often it is, but it's not always because of sin. Listen to me. It's common to man. The sun has a sinking spell every night, but it rises up every morning. And you might be down tonight, but you don't have to stay down. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man that is in him? What man knoweth the things of a man? What knows going on in a man's heart? Save the spirit of the man that's in him. The spirit of man, the mental, emotional disposition. You never know what's going on in the hearts of people. Sometimes even the people you live with. We got a telephone call, a pastor friend of ours had a 32-year-old pastor's son. Five o'clock one morning, the 32-year-old pastor, pastor's son, took a shotgun out on the porch, pointed it at his chest, and blew himself into eternity. I said to my wife, I said, we've got to go be with our friends. The whole family gathered in. We went in. We hugged them. We loved them, we listened to them, we wept with them, we prayed over them. But there was another guy there, uh, another evangelist, a mindless evangelist who was part of the SBI, the Spiritual Bureau of Investigation. And he commenced to ask stupid questions. 
well, did you notice anything was wrong? Did you t- People in crisis don't need interrogation. They need companionship. Don't go asking a bunch of questions. Don't you do, like Job's friends, they helped Job as long as they kept their mouth shut, but the moment they opened their mouth, they lost their ministry to their friend. So we just listened, and we loved them, and we wept with them, and we prayed with them, and we went to the hotel. 10 o'clock that night, we got another phone call. A friend of ours, his son, medical student about to graduate at Christmas time, had gone out and gotten drunk and played Russian roulette and lost. And here he is with bullet fragments in his brain. We heard about this. It was Christmas. I said to my wife, I said, we've got to get over to the hospital and be with our friends. So we went over. And there we listened. We loved them. Wept with them. And the, and the guy was a doctor himself. And he said, come on back and see my son. I don't want to go back and see his son. You know what I'm saying? I, I just don't like nothing to do with any of this kind of stuff. It just bothers me. But we went back. And we tried to minister to our friends in their time of need. And I'm telling you, when people are in need, don't you go rolling in there with 15 Bible verses on the tip of your tongue like you're some sort of spiritual bullwinkle. Go in there and have a little sensitivity. Be more sensitive than a rock. And, 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 and try to sense uh, and just have some compassion and just be with them. You don't have to have answers. There are no answers. Just, just be there. Well, if you... A few days later, we got another phone call. Do you ever get nervous about answering the phone or reading the email, you know? A family friend of ours, they had two children, and if any family had ever tried to have a godly seed, I'm telling you, this was it. And we learned that their 20-year-old son, 20 years old, had committed suicide. And, And I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? You know something, friend, the fact of the matter is that uh, you don't know what's going on in the hearts of people, but church ought to be a place where people can hurt out loud uncondemned. Everybody's going to go through low seasons. And brother, sometimes they just need somebody to be with them and support them and love them in the midst of their tragedy. Now, it's not what you're going through, it's what you're going to that really counts. And let me say this, temperament and background. Some people are prone to the dark side. Let's just face it, that's just the way it is. But I'm telling you, temperament and background can affect your emotional outlook, but God is the lifter of our head. And sometimes we need for God to come and lift up our heads and to lift up our hearts and to put something in our spirit. And we need, sometimes need to pray that prayer, renew a right spirit within me. David had multiple problems. I'm telling you, he committed adultery. He was full of anger. He was full of anxiety. But God forgave him, renewed him, and restored him. And he can do the same thing for you. Let me say this to you tonight. If you've lost faith, If you've lost faith and you're grieving the death of your nation, which is normal, but you can't stay there. You're going to have to move on. If you've lost heart, if you've lost perspective, and if you're struggling with a spirit of anxiety, a spirit of anger, a spirit of adultery, or any other uh, satanic kind of a spirit, you you need God's prescription for a renewed spirit. God's prescription for a renewed spirit. It's found in Philippians chapter 
That's the wrong verse. Flip on through, boys. Get on over to Philippians. God's prescription for a renewed spirit. How many, how many gonna, well, I'm not gonna say that. All right, uh, we need God's prescription for a renewed spirit. God's RX for a wrong spirit. Now, in Philippians chapter four, it says, be careful, be anxious, don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Everything by prayer. The first First thing in the recipe for release is, a, uh, is prayer. In everything by prayer and supplication. The Bible says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Hurl your hurts on him. He cares for you. The Bible says, cast your burden. Roll, roll your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. So when you find yourself struggling with the wrong spirit, the first thing to do is to turn toward heaven with a prayer and cast your care upon him. The second thing in the recipe for release is praise, is praise. Philippians chapter four says, uh, in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto the Lord. And listen to this, in everything but prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, with thanks. say that out loud, with thanksgiving. Now, it says in Psalms, uh, Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. In other words, remember all the advantages, all the benefits. Uh, who forgiveth all your iniquities and who heals all your diseases. Don't forget the benefits. Come in there with prayer, yeah, but then move right into thanksgiving. Move right into praise. And I'm telling you that there's power in praise. That's a whole lot better than moping around whole lot better than a self-pity party where nobody but you and the devil show up. whole lot better. And I'm telling you, don't forget his benefits because he forgives all your iniquities. How many sitting here tonight, all your iniquities have been washed away by the powerful blood of Jesus and you're, you're not, no longer guilty before a holy God? Put your hand up like this right here. Put up both hands like this right here. Amen. So you have to bribe Baptists to lift hands, but it says it's seven, ten times in the word of God to lift up holy hands. It's a little, no charge, no extra charge for that point right there. <laughs> but aren't you glad you're forgiven? All your deceit, your lies, your thefts, all the rest of it, isn't it wonderful? Oh, praise God, forgiven. Who healeth all your diseases. There's some folks here, you've been on the road for a while. Might near as long as Pastor Lytell. How many here tonight have survived cancer or you're still walking with cancer? Can you, can you put your hand up all over? Just put them up all over. Man alive, look at that. All right. We're still here, aren't we? Amen. Glory be to God, we're still here. Praise the Lord. You say, well, I can't see as good as I used to. Well, that's a mercy. One of God's mercies for old people is to let the wife's eyes dim to where she can't make out all the ugly details on her husband's face. That's an act of grace right there, I'm telling you. You say, well, I can't hear as good as I used to. That's a blessing. Praise God, that's a blessing. Uh, well, this lady was getting hard of hearing, and her children said, Mom, we want to get you a hearing aid. <laughs> and the mother said, I don't want a hearing aid. And the children said, but Mom, It'll help you hear better. And the mother said, I've heard enough. <laughs> you, you, know, you, you know, some of y'all need to quit overdosing on bad news. 
Fox News ain't no good no more anyhow, so cut that thing off. Pull out the hymn book. Put in the cathedral quartet. Whatever it turns, whatever floats your boat, brother, and get on, get on the bandwagon of praise and start enjoying the goodness of God for a little bit. Six leading causes of depression, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, Fox News, and Rush Limbaugh. That's the six leading causes of depression. And if you overdose on bad news, you're going to have to either increase your medications or get checked into an asylum somewhere. Can I say something to you? You ought not to be ignorant about what's going on, but you better not be obsessing on all the rotten stuff that's happening. You better focus on the goodness of God. It's about time Baptist people got happy in Jesus. I'm tired of going to mortuary looking like a bunch of corpses sitting around. Brother, I'm just telling you, we need to have the praise of God and the high praises of God on our lips. Good preaching, Brother Harold. You have to amen yourself in these southern northern churches. Amen. But anyhow. <laughs> now, isn't it a benefit to have good friends? Thank God for friends, man. I got good friends. I got friends that are such good friends. I can tell them what I'm really like and they like me anyhow. How many have friends like that? Lift your hand like that. Isn't that a blessing? Praise God. What an advantage. <laughs> Tremendous. Uh, how many people have a job? I know some of y'all are retired, but how many have a job? Just, isn't that a blessing? How many want a job? Well, just ask God and he'll give you your job, all right? But what a blessing. How many have a diploma? How many have a diploma? Even from public school? Mm -hmm. It's meaningless, but Thank God it looks good on the wall, right? I mean, I mean, at least we got one. You say, well, I can't walk as good as I used to. All right, look, missing parts, defective parts, replacement parts. When you kick the bucket, the titanium is going to be worth more than your savings account. But, but li listen to me, listen to me. We can still see a little bit. We can still talk a little bit. We can still taste a little bit if we don't have COVID. Uh, we can still walk a little bit. We can still praise God a little bit. We can still shout a little bit. We can still sing a little bit. Glory be to God. Let the high praises of God be in your mouth, child of God. I'm telling you, praise, praise. <laughs> Boy, I like it. I didn't get into this. Deal Moody said, be careful for nothing, prayerful for everything, thankful for anything. Thanking God's the first step of faith. Thanking God's the first step of faith. If you need a job, ask God for a job and then immediately launch into the gratitude protocol and thank God for providing the job. You have lost children and grandchildren, ask God to save them. Immediately thank God before it happens. Thanking God in advance. Thanking God's the first step of faith. I'm just telling you. Uh, uh, you can thank God if you're, if you're discouraged. If you've got a wrong spirit on it, you can thank God for bringing you out before you get out. I, I'm, I'm just telling you, you can thank him for restoring a right spirit within you. You can put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So the recipe for release, prayer, praise. Look at this third one, peace, peace. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Somebody said, peace rules the day when Christ rules the mind. Boy, peace is great, especially if you don't have it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about right here? Peace rules the day when Christ rules the mind. And sometimes you gotta rebuild your mind through the word of God. The peace of God that passes human comprehension shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Prayer, praise, peace, 
And then listen to this one, positive thoughts. Philippians 4 and verse 8. Whatever things are pure, honest, just, that eliminates 90% of everything that's going on. (laughs) So focus on the 10% or 2% or whatever it is. Pure, just, honest, lovely. If there's any virtue, if there's any praise, if, if, if anybody got saved this week, if 3,000 tracks got passed out, I think on these things. In other words, don't obsess on negativity. <laughs> Stop obsessing on negativity. <laughs> you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from building a nest in your hair, and you ain't got nothing to worry about, brother. I'm just telling you, you ain't got nothing to worry about on that point. But uh, anyhow. In other words, you get to choose what you want to think about, meditate on, right? It's your choice. We have a choice in a lot of things, but I'm, I got all the choice when it comes to what I'm going to meditate upon. So sometimes you got to get a promise from God and park your mind on it. When I got diagnosed, my wife printed up scripture verses on three by five car- cards, little scripture verses pertinent to the uh, situation, and she just printed them out. So I had a stack of these cards in my pocket. We have property. I went down behind my house in the bottom on the Kubota and uh, trail wagon. And I said, God, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. I ain't never been here before. Lord, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. But I'm here and I've got your words got your words right here, Lord. And if you want to talk to me, you got my undivided attention. I'm all ears. And sometimes you got to get a scripture and park your mind on it and stay there. Positive thoughts. Don't read too much on your disease. <laughs> I had a friend one time, well, I, well, I will tell this. Uh, I got diagnosed one time with diverticulosis. A buddy of mine emailed me and said, yeah, my cousin got diagnosed with that, and he didn't last two years. Quit saying stupid stuff, amen? Just quit saying stupid stuff. And people that sick don't need interrogation. They don't need statistics. They don't need your surefire health, health food remedy. You know what they need? They need somebody that's got a spirit of faith on them to believe God for them. Positive thoughts. Just, pure, honest, lovely, virtue, any praise. Think, dwell, meditate, obsess on these things. Your memory replays your past. The purpose of memory is to replay your past, but the purpose of imagination is to preplay your future. Your memory will replay your past, but your imagination can preplay your future. Can I encourage you tonight to quit praying prayers of doubt and start praying prayers of faith? Just get into his gates with some thanksgiving, man, and go ahead and thank God for whatever you need for where, before it ever shows up. That's what faith is all about. Faith is substance. It's the evidence of things hoped for. You can take it to the bank, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. And you know, brethren, what we need is a saturated mind and a sanctified mind. And listen to me, whatever you're going through is only a season. 
Everything in life is temporary. It's all a season. I grew up on a farm where we worked three or four months out of the year and then hunting, went hunting and fishing quite a bit. Uh, but it was a season. There's a season for everything. And whatever you're going through, dear one, is just a season. And the sun is going to shine again. David had committed adultery. David, a murderer. David poured out his heart and his guts in Psalm 51. And listen to me, God restored him, forgave him, renewed him, and God used David to write large portions of the holy word of God under the direct tutelage of the Holy Ghost. I've been to some churches where they wouldn't want a guy like David in membership. Man, look at what he did. They wouldn't want a guy like David teaching Sunday school. How many of you think the grace of God is more generous than some of God's people? God not only forgave him and restored him and renewed him, but God used him to write the holy word of God. Praise God for his grace. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And my dear friend, tonight God can revive, restore, and renew you. And sometimes we need to pray that prayer. Lord, renew a right spirit within me. Now, I don't know what you're going through. Everybody's going through something. Everybody's carrying something. Everybody's burdened about something. But tonight, sometimes we need to pray that prayer like David. Lord, create a clean heart in me and renew a right spirit within me. How many of God's people and I would be honest and say, that's exactly what I need. I need for God to renew my spirit. I, I need that. Put your hand up tonight if that's what you need. Let's, 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 let's appeal to the Lord and let's ask him to renew a right spirit. Would you stand with me tonight? Altars open before they play or sing anything. Altars open. How many would like to come on down here and just get on your knees or kneel right there in your seat and just talk to God about what he's talking to you about and ask God to renew a right spirit within you? That's right. Just come on down. Now, tell God the real stuff. Tell, tell him the, if you're hurting, tell him. If you're burdened, tell him. If you're defeated, tell him. If you're anxious, tell him. He knows it anyhow. If you're depressed, tell him. If you're sick, tell him. If you're angry, tell him. I mean, whatever it is, just tell God the truth, the whole truth. Put it all out there. Uh, get everything under the blood that needs to be put there and then say, God, please renew a right spirit within me. Renew a right spirit within me. Now, tonight... Let's do some business with God. And right there in your seat with your head bowed, you can call out to the Lord. And if you're, if you're in good shape, praise the Lord. There's plenty of people that's hurting big time. Would you pray, utter a prayer for others and ask God to renew them, restore them, refresh them, revive them, help them, and give hope to the hopeless and give health uh, to the hurting. And ask God to restore those who are suffering with emotional problems. I'm, t I'm telling you, there's people all around us that's broken that need help. And God can help them. And God wants to use you and me as healers. Because the broken become experts in mending. And God can use your experiences to help others. Father, oh God, renew a right spirit. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.